Amen. Can you get the lights back on? Thank you. Well, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> now you know I didn't stand up here and play that video. Because you're like... Um, amen. If we could uh, switch it back, that would be great. To channel three there. All right. Um, moms are incredible, aren't they? I was watching that video for the first time, and like literally, I was like, "This is my life." I'm like, "I did these things to to my mom." The snake, the hair thing. I was, I was like wrecking the car. I'm like, "It was all." I'm like, "I feel like this video was watching me." One thing I will say, though, moms, you definitely get past the first page of Acts, though, throughout your life. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I was, I was, like, she's still working on Acts chapter one. At least she's committed, right? She's in there. Um, wait a minute. You know, the difference, uh, moms and dads are very different, right? I got a a little bit of a story that I feel like illustrates the great difference between mom and dad. Uh, when I was about in fourth, fourth fifth grade, um, yes, there's a story about my mom and dad who are sitting right here, so um, we'll see how it goes afterwards. Um, you know, fourth, fifth grade, I was at uh, one of those day um, summer camp things, and uh, I was playing basketball. And uh, I was on a breakaway, and I was, you know, I was going for it. And uh, the guy who was uh, on the other team didn't like that. So he decided, you know what, I'm not going to foul him. I'm going to foul him hard. So I'm going to trip him. I go down, break my arm to the point where, you know, not, it's like not looking pretty. Uh, bones kind of sticking out a little bit. And, you know, one of those moments... I mean, every kid, most of the kids, you know, break their arms at some point in time or break some bone. And uh, my mom wasn't able to come and get me first. It was my dad. So dad, you know, he's like, all right, we're going to take you right to the hospital. Get on in the car, you know. And so we're running down to the hospital. They're like, hey, this looks like a pretty bad break. We got to send you to a specialist. The day is winding on. You know how it is sitting in those um, ER waiting rooms. It takes forever. And uh, we get to the specialist right as he's about to close. So he kind of looks at it and he's like, ah, it is looking pretty bad. And I'm like, yeah, it's bones kind of coming out a little bit. Could have told you that. Thank you, specialist. <laughs> and uh, he kind of looks at it and he's like, hey, uh, you know what? Pretty much we don't have time to numb it, to do all that stuff like that. I got to go. Uh, he doesn't say that to me, uh, but pretty much I hate needles um, as well with a passion. So I don't know if it was my dad or the doctor who played on that angle, uh, but anyways, they convinced me to set it back with no painkillers. <laughs> yeah, they rolled up a towel, put it on the little, you know, bench thing that you sit on, little hard bed thing, and they, he said, now I'm going to count to three. And no joke, put both his hands on my arms and one, two, three, cock. And I was like, ah, my head off. And he's like, it's not quite done. Hold on again. One, two, three, cock. Popped it back into place. And my dad's like, yeah, way to go. You're a man. I'm like, 
we made it. We made it home in time for dinner. So all worth it, right? Of course, my mom finds out about it, and she is not happy about this. You know, oh my baby, my baby. You know, just going on and on. You know, moms are different than dads, and that's a good thing. No, no one, no one hurts. You know, their baby, right? Very, very protective of our children. You know, and uh, Kelly even. Our son was getting bullied on the bus, and uh, you know, I was trying to teach Maddox. I'm like, "All right, Maddox, this is gonna, we're going to do one, two, three step. One, you talk to him. Two, you talk to him louder. Three, you push him or you punch him." I was like, "One, two, three. I'm like, "You ready?" Kelly, on the other hand, is like, I'm gonna go down there and talk to his mom and fight him. And I'm like, Kelly, you can't, you can't go down there. The kid's in first grade. <laughs> you know, it does, but moms are incredible. It blows my mind the amount of sacrifice that moms are willing just to do day in and day out. You know, having uh, been working in the team ministry for a couple years now, the single moms out there, I mean, it blows my mind to think that you work all day, you drop off your kids at daycare in the morning, you come, and then you're working all day, you get home, you pick up your kids, you bring them to Devo, you bring them to a Bible study, you do all this, you're running nonstop for your children. I mean, insane. The amount of sacrifice that moms are willing to do. Even to the point where they set up little... When, when, you're, when your kid is sick, they set up a little bed in the bathroom and fall asleep on the floor. All night long. Blows my mind uh, what moms are willing to do. And today, as you've noticed, uh, my voice is a little gone. Uh, but we'll, we'll hang in there. Uh, we're going to take a look in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to look at a mom. Second Timothy chapter one. In Second Timothy chapter one and verse one, it reads, "Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace." From God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. In verse 3 it says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly uh, remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. We'll stop right there. Now this letter written to Timothy, a young um, evangelist here in the church from Paul. But before Paul wants to go on and get down to the meat of his letter, he wants to remind Timothy, hey, this is who you got your faith from. Your mom, 
your grandmother. These were the women that were pivotal in your life, instilling a sincere faith. Now, what a great vision, I think, even for us as a church, as we grow and as we get older as a church, the idea of grandmothers playing a vital role in children's spiritual development is awesome to me. Something that, you know, that as a movement, we are getting more and more into that stage. You know, it's great. I love sitting down, counting the costs with with the teens and even telling them, hey, at some point in time, you're going to tell your conversion story to your grandchildren. And it's going to be like, that's the way it's going to go if we keep on fighting forward. And here, you know, Paul says that he sees his Timothy's sincere faith, but he knows, hey, it's not because of me. It's not because of my training. It's not because of your hard work. It's because your mom and your grandmother put in the time, energy, and effort to get you to this point. You know, moms definitely shape the view of our world, don't they? You know, good or bad, there's something about a mom that they have a hook on you. That controls the way you think, the decisions you make. Something about a mom just buries down deep into your brain. From the way that she talks, you know, how she disciplines, even how she smells. I still remember the perfume bottles on, on my mom's uh, makeup counter there. I still remember the, you know, knowing exactly which ones were the ones that she would spray on for that, for that day. I had that just drilled into my mind. You know, studies have shown that kids can pick up on their mom's voice in a crowded room. A mom just saying, son, or using their name, Maddox, Levi, Jeff, knows exactly who said it. Moms have an incredible power. Now, point number one here is the power of mom. And I'm going to speak to the moms here for a minute, and then uh, we're going to transition uh, for the rest of the church. Amen? Amen. It is Mother's Day. I figured, hey, let's, let me write something special for the moms, all right? You know, Paul does point out the example of sincere faith that Timothy's mom and grandmother set. You know, and the power that that had in Timothy's life. You know, fathers definitely do play a huge role in the development, spiritual development of their child and the just regular development of their child. But moms, like I said, have a special role here. You know, Timothy's mother and grandmother had such a huge impact on him that Paul took notes. Paul noticed. I don't know if Timothy bragged about his mom a lot. I don't know if he was talking about his mom a lot. And, you know, Paul's like, okay, I get it. Your mom's awesome. Okay? I get it. You love your grandma. Thank you. Stop talking about your mom all the time. We're on the mission field. Shut up. I don't know what it is. You know, but what I see here, moms, is that you have an opportunity, an incredible opportunity, to instill sincere faith into your children. How cool is that? Yeah. That you have that option, that, uh, that available to you. The idea of sincere faith that we see here basically just means that it's not hypocritical. And it's not that you suddenly transform into church mom as you walk into the door and transform out. That was a transformer noise. Um, transform out as you walk out the door into something else. No, you have a sincere faith that you walk with every day. You know, your kids are watching you. The kids are watching you in your faith, taking note of what you do. They see your relationship with God. They see your failures. 
They see your struggles. You know, I love about uh, Kelly. She, she talks to the boys about this is what I'm dealing with. You know, within reason. But this is what I'm struggling with, me and God. I'm praying through this. I'm working through this. The boys are shaping their view of what it means to have a sincere faith. Amen. You know, you reading your Bible every day, I have it lodged in my mind. Waking up, walking down the stairs, seeing my mom reading her Bible. She gets past Acts 1, but she's there. <laughs> she's there reading her Bible. I have it in my mind like that's what sincere faith is. But then to see how it affects the rest of your life. To see how it's, it's about a relationship between you and God. And it affects everything that you do and say. How you share the gospel in and outside of the home. I got to see what it meant to have a pure love and a pure motivation by grace to love God. Moms, you get to impact the rest of your child's life by just loving God. You know, it's never, never too early to start or never too late to start. If you feel like, man, I'm just not there yet. You know, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, you don't have to turn there. But Paul says that since infancy, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. You know what that tells me? That he started learning it when he was an infant. I remember praying with my sons as they were in the womb. Being like, you're going to learn this. And we're trying to discipline them too as they would try to punch. I'm like, no. Let your mom sleep. Because then I can sleep. But it's never too early to start. If you're waiting till they're a preteen or a teen, it's too late. I'm not saying there's not hope, but you can start instilling that faith now as an infant, as a child, to pray with them. Even when they don't understand. To get the toddler Bible and go through the devotionals one by one. Walk them through each story. Teaching them as you go. I mean, we do. Moms, you guys do this anyways. You go and you point out colors, shapes, and counting. Why not point out how great God is? How awesome His creation is. How big He is. And how powerful He is as you walk along. No. Your kids do watch, and it creates the baseline. It creates a baseline for discipleship. It's kind of a scary thing when you think about it, though, isn't it? That your kid is collecting data on what it is to be a Christian, on what it is to love God. You know, one of the worst things that I have to do uh, in studying the Bible with the teen is having to tell the teen, don't be like your Christian parent. Don't imitate them in this way. I hate doing it. I hate it. But I'm like, don't be like your mom in this way. Don't follow your dad in this example. Your kids watch you. They're looking for that sincere faith. You know, as a mom, what about your faith? Is it sincere and is it a faith that you would want your kids to imitate? This shouldn't scare us. This should excite us as Christian moms. You know, just reading my Bible, just reading your Bible, just praying, just talking about God every day has an eternal impact on your child. And all you have to do is love God. Think about how far ahead your kids will be. 
as they understand what the love of God is. Grace, sin, and destruction in the cross just based on watching you. You know, moms are incredible, but they do have limits, right? You know, moms aren't superhumans. They are superheroes, but they have limits. Sorry, mom, you do, but I love you. <laughs> you know, uh, my mom, I'm going to kind of poke at her here for a minute. Uh, I didn't tell her I was going to do this, but uh, like I said, we'll see how it goes after. Um, I'm cooking for, for lunch after this for Mother's Day, so at least I know I'm going to eat well, even if she's mad at me. All right, here we go. My mom terrified of the dentist terrified right truth sorry I didn't mean to call you out like that but I had to it's part of my lesson alright it's true <laughs> terrified of the dentist kind of you know growing up though now looking back I'm like she was never at the dentist's office with me never inside the little office area she'd wait out there I'm like Bob you just left me walk in there by myself <laughs> I really can't remember her being there holding my hand while he was drilling. I can't, because she wasn't there. But that didn't mess me up. I fall asleep at the dentist. The dentist has to ask me to keep my mouth wider open because I'm falling asleep. It didn't scar me, it didn't mess me up. You know, moms, you're not called to be perfect. You will fall short, but it is not going to destroy your child's life. That's where God comes in. Point number two is the limits of mom. Let's turn over to Acts chapter 16. We're going to get a little background on Timothy's mom here. In Acts chapter 16, in verse 1, it says, Paul came to Derbe and then to um, Lystria, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, and whose father was a Greek. We'll stop right there. Um, here we see a little picture, a little snippet of Timothy's mom. She grew up in a Jewish household. Raised under Jewish law, but yet at some point in time was a rebel. Some point in time decided, I don't want to listen to my mom and dad. I want to do what I want. <laughs> and she went out and married a Greek man, which is against all Old Testament law. <laughs> and she had with this Greek man a son named Timothy. And it looks as if we looked at the Bible that Timothy's father never became a Christian. But here we have a woman who rebelled against her family, married a man that her family did not approve of, but then became a disciple, raised a son as a single Christian mom, either as without the husband or with the husband not being a disciple. Single moms and moms with spouses who are not Christians. Like I said before, you're amazing. I can't even express how, how it lifts my faith to see you battle every day. To see you in your faith continue on. You know that you don't, that you do it by yourself, but yet you remain faithful day in and day out. 
calls my faith higher. Here we see Timothy's mom was able to raise a son who became a strong man of God. But more than that, went on to lead churches, plant churches. I can imagine her bragging about her son. You know, we have our little bumper stickers. My son is an honorable student at so-and-so. They're like, my son has a book of the Bible. Two. Bumper sticker right there. I'm sure in heaven she's going to keep talking about it. Not inside. like, all right. I know Timothy's awesome. That's great. Thank you. No, she's... But Timothy was able to do all this stuff through a mom that was flawed, who needed God, who needed grace, who made mistakes, but still pressed on. Moms, you're not called to be and you don't have to be perfect for your kids to get to heaven. Your life situations, your home situations, your marriage doesn't have to be perfect. Your job, God works through it. God is the one who watches over your sons and daughters. But take heart, moms. You're not alone in raising your kids. Some of you do have husbands and husbands play incredible roles in raising the child. But you have the body of Christ as well. You know, I love the fact that we have the body right here. An extension of Christ himself. And that's exactly what Timothy's mom had then. Now that we're not alone. We all fall short of the glory of God, but that's why we're here together. That's God's plan, saying, I know you're flawed. I'm going to give you everybody else to help you out. Amen. Timothy had Paul, a tremendous influence on him spiritually. Tremendous influence on, how, on who he became as a man of God. And that is our call here today, church, is to help out the moms. To be that support. They're not perfect, and that's why God gave them you. you know, to look after the widows and the orphans. To protect the children here in the family of God. To sacrifice for those that are in need. You know, the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child. is a good one. But I say it takes the body of Christ to raise a child who loves the Lord. We're not looking just to raise children to be productive parts of society. We are raising children to love the Lord. Amen. You know, teen workers, I love them. Truthfully, Kelly and I tell them all the time that, man, we would not be able to do our jobs without these servants. We would not be able to, I mean, your teens, the teen ministry would look vastly different if it wasn't for the hearts of those young individuals who sacrifice their time, energy, and money on a weekly basis. They play such a vital role in the teen ministry and within the church. I still remember my teen workers. I still remember Alex Hernandez getting with me early in the morning, picking me up, talking with me, working through some of the hardest, difficult, most times in my life. He had an impact on me as an extension of the body of Christ. Kingdom kid workers. Man, you guys are awesome. You ever, you ever think about parents, the fact that you have like two hours of free babysitting? I mean, seriously. You have two hours of free babysitting that you don't have to call ahead. You don't have to drive them home. You just show up and they're there. They're there with the lesson prepared. With snacks. Excitement and zeal. 
to be with your children and to teach them about God. Oh, they set an incredible example for our children yeah. on what it is to be a servant. It's what it is to be like Christ. Yeah. I want to thank all the Kingdom Kid workers personally for, for taking care of my children. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for all of you that, you know, either teach in there or help organize or do anything with the kids' kingdom. Thank you. Yeah. You are a true extension of the body of Christ. But I think bigger than that, all of us as a family... Families in general, we play an incredible role in the children's life in this church. Yeah. But the caveat to that is you've got to be involved yeah. to be a vital role. Yeah. You can't stand on the sidelines. You know, for me, growing up in the church, I can say that I had a lot of mother and father figures in my life. Yeah. I love my parents. My parents are great. But I had some incredible men and women in my life that really, truly influenced me. That took my marriage on the brink of destruction and helped pull it up. And helped turn it back towards God. That helped raise me as a child when I was going crazy, running around everywhere. I remember getting pulled into Mike Fontenot's living room, getting rebuked <laughs> as a 16-year-old. I remember getting pulled into Doug Arthur's living room and getting rebuked as a 15-year-old. I was not a really great kid. But I needed those rebukes, okay? I needed them. And don't get me wrong. Please don't just go around rebuking all the kids. I'm like, Jeff said we needed to be the body of Christ. I rebuke you. No. That's okay. <laughs> but that's what we are to become because the moms and the dads out there, they're not perfect. But that's where God has put you right here as the body of Christ. But I think... Um, a lot of moms, personally, don't ask for help because they don't feel like it's invited. A lot of times it's just even the way we carry ourselves. I know, I, I know for me personally, this is a, a, a major character flaw that I have. I, I'm, I'm the type of person that is um, a little focused on my task at hand. And uh, when I walk into the fellowship, sometimes I'm like, got to get the sound going. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? I'm working on the sound. But unfortunately, that doesn't make people feel loved. That doesn't make people feel like, hey, let me go to Jeff with, hey, can I get some help with my son? And I'm not just saying that because it's my job as a youth minister. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying as a body of Christ, we should look like we want people to come to us. We want the moms to feel free to come to you and say, hey, can you hang out with my son? Something's going on. He's not acting right. I need some help. We should look like we would want to invite it in. You know, one of the things that I've been learning is just to smile. Simple thing, right? Yeah. Smiling. Giving people good hugs. Ed literally had to pull me aside and say, Jeff, this is how you give a good hug. And I'm like, I feel really awkward. And he goes, yeah, that's probably because you're doing it right. And I was like, ah, okay. Sometimes I just got to have my personal space. You know what I mean? There's... But amen. I'm learning. We've got to be willing to insert ourselves into other people's lives, into their families. Because we all are in this together. We're blessed to be in the body. God arranged the pieces of this body for a reason. Let's not drop that task that's set before us to help out. 
where others fall short. For us to all get to heaven, including the children, to raise them to love the Lord. Amen. Amen. <coughs> Sorry. Uh. To kind of wrap things up, I want to go on and give you guys a list of the top ten reasons why moms are important. And then we're going to do a little bit of a twist on it, all right? Number one, if it weren't for your mom, you wouldn't be breathing right now. I'm sure you heard that plenty of times, but phrased a little differently. I'm going to stop you from breathing if you don't obey. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> my mom never said that. She did say, I'll slap you in the next week, but... I'm joking, joking. That's what, that's what her mom said to her. She would say that like this. My mom would tell me, I'm going to slap you in the next week. And I'm like, okay, are you telling me that? Or is that a blanketed threat there? I don't know what's going on. No, I'm joking, joking, joking. All right, back on track. If nothing else, you should thank her for that, for the fact that you're breathing right now. Number two, mothers are the emotional backbones of the family. They provide the holding place for everyone's feelings and do their best to keep us from being hurt. Number three, who would kiss your boo-boos to make it all better if she wasn't around? Nobody. <laughs> Mothers have that magic touch and kiss to help heal our wounds, physical and emotional. Truly, our mothers worked hard and made sacrifices so our lives would be better. There are not a lot of people willing to do that. So let her know that you um, appreciate it. Number five, mothers are forgiving. So forgive her in return. Perhaps nothing will be as valuable as a uh, valuable a gift to both of you as forgiveness. Open your heart and drop your resentments. Now that's love. Number six, when you want to climb the tallest mountain, your mother would make lunch for you. She is the one who would support your dreams when no one else will. And she will remind you to wear clean underwear. It's true. It's true. Number seven, her boundaries made you a better person. You may not have liked her decisions, especially when you wanted to, uh, to go with your friends, but she did keep you out of trouble. Look at some of your friends without a mom who had cared that much. Number eight, a mother's ears and eyes, uh, uh, your mother's ears and eyes hear and see everything. Even when they're not in the room. They also have a computer-like memory where they can recall facts and times that you did bad. Way back, and I'm adding on to that. Um, and have a list of wrongs before you. No. Um, they also have a computer-like memory for all the good and some of the bad that came your way. It's nice to have someone whom you can reminisce about your whole life. Number nine. Mom's taught you to be a functioning adult. Amen. That was her job. And without that... Making it through the modern world would be very hard. Your mom may have forced you to do your homework, but now you see how important it is. Some of it. Number 10. That was my addition. Uh, a mother's smile, when it's directed towards you, makes your day a whole lot better. All she needs to know is that she helped you to be and to feel your best. Say thank you. Now I want to add a little caveat to this. Let's look at this in a little different way. 
Number one, if it weren't for your mom, you wouldn't be breathing right now. If nothing else, you should thank her for that. Let's, let's put a scripture up there. Genesis chapter 1 verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man. He made him out of the dust of the ground. God breathed the breath of life into him and he became a living person. God himself hand formed you from the ground. There's no mass production line. He made you individual and unique. Took a personal role in your creation. Number two. Mothers are the emotional backbones of the family. They provide the holding place for everyone's feelings and do their best to keep us from being hurt. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes, uh, who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. It's crazy to think that God is emotionally concerned about you. All this power, all this might, but yet it's concerned. It says, I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to watch your back. I'm going to weep for you. Number three, who would kiss your boo-boos to make them all better if you weren't around? Mothers have a magic touch and kiss to help you heal our wounds, physical and emotional. Psalm 147 verse three, he heals the broken heart and binds up the wounds. God has a gentle touch. I think we've been there in prayer before where you feel like, God, I just want you to wrap your arms around me at this moment in time. You feel God's personal, gentle touch. Number four, truly our mothers worked hard and made sacrifices so your lives would be better. There are not a lot of people willing to do that. So let her know you appreciate it. Philippians 2 verse 5, who though he was, I'm talking about Jesus here, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. There is no bigger sacrifice. Nothing that God was not willing to do for you. Number five, mothers are forgiving. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance to the riches of God's grace. He didn't ask anything of you. He laid that out for you before you were even born. Saying, I'm going to have a path of forgiveness for my son, for my daughter. Number six, when you climb the tallest mountain, your mother would make lunch for you. She's the one who will support your dreams when no one else will. She will also remind you to wear clean underwear. <laughs> it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, it's incredible to know that you have the confidence that you can walk around with because God believes in you. That God says, man, I have great works. I've created you to do incredible things. That I've set out before time. Jesus even says you're going to do greater things. That's God's view of you. Number seven. Her boundaries made you a better person. Even though you didn't like it. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11. The Lord trains the one he loves. He corrects everyone. He accepts as a son. God's discipline is tough. It's difficult. 
Just like the discipline we received as children. I hate disciplining my kids. I wish I could just have fun with them. I really do. I wish I could be like, let's go outside and have fun. Stop disobeying. Let's just have fun. It doesn't work that way though. I know that if I don't address the discipline issues right then and there, it's going to catch up. But I do it out of love. I do the hard things for him. He may not see it that way right now, but in time he does. Same with our God. A mother's ears and eyes hear every, uh, a mother's ears and eyes hear and see everything. Psalm 139 verse 12, you created the deepest parts of my being. You put me together inside my mother's body. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. You know, God created the deepest parts of you. He knows you in and out. And he watches over you. A lot of times we think that God just sees the bad stuff. That he just is keeping a record of your wrongs. I would like to believe that God celebrates with you. The same way that I celebrate with my son. When he brings home a good grade. Or when he tells me about a victory he had in class. That God's up in heaven saying, yeah. Way to go. I love you. Awesome job. Number nine. It says, mom taught you to be a functioning adult. You know, God just didn't just leave us here without an instruction manual. In 1 Timothy 3, verse 17, by using scripture, the servants of God can be completely prepared to do every good thing. God loved us so much that he wanted to tell us, this is what we need to do with our lives. This is how you succeed in life. From my eyes, from my point of view. Number 10, it says a mother's smile when it's directed towards you makes your day a whole lot better. In Ephesians 4, verse 24, it says, And to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. Here we're talking about this is what we become. When God looks down at you, He smiles. Why? Because He sees Christ. He sees His Son. If you're a baptized Christian, He looks at you and He says, That's my son. That's my daughter. Flawless. Perfect. In my eyes. I'll put before you the last point and really the title of my lesson. God is the ultimate mom. God created moms. We were created in his image. All of us, including moms, man and woman. But God is the perfect mom, whether yours was or not. You have God. I want you to reflect on that list, on those 10 verses. That we have a perfect God who knows us, who loves us, who watches over us, protects us, and lays down, our, lays down His life for us. So my challenge to you, number one, is your mom is incredible. Say thank you. Amen. Celebrate Mother's Day all, for all that she's done for you. But how do we say thank you to God for all that He's done? We give our moms one day. My challenge to you is for the ultimate mom, have an ultimate week. A lot of times we would say, hey, go live for God. Spend the rest of your life living for God. And we're like, okay, I'm ready to do this. Sounds a little big, but I'm ready to do this. Rest of my life. Here we go. Let's just do just this week. Just this week. Why don't you live a life that says thank you to the God, your father, the ultimate mom. Set out to have a week that pleases Him and all that you do. 
just like our moms, the best way to please them is to obey, is to listen. All the moms are like, amen. That's right. You can do whatever you want. Flowers, take them away. Just listen to me and obey. You can try to give, if you don't have a gift, just give that to your mom. Say, I'm going to obey. They would love it. But that's all God is asking, is joyful obedience. For an incredible God who loves you perfectly, let's thank him this week. Because he is the ultimate mom. And for all the moms out there, thank you, thank you, thank you. For all your sacrifice, for all that you have done. We love you. We appreciate you. Happy Mother's Day. Amen.